Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. That's what I'd like to begin to start doing. Um, yeah, uh, Mike shared that my family is going through a season. You might, uh, my father-in-law, um, Nick Vlahos, uh, his name means champion of the people. Um, and he's been a champion w- with his whole life, and he's been a champion as he's been suffering th- uh, with Alzheimer's disease for the past almost decade of his life, and we've been slowly losing him, and uh, it, now he's in a bed, hospice is in. Um, two weeks ago, they gave him two days to live. Hello, it's two weeks later, and so uh, I remember, I, as, uh, I just remember going to his bedside and saying, okay, God, this is, this is Nick's time. And then my wife came in, and uh, she's been like a ferocious lioness contending for healing when everybody else is, is ready to sign certificates, you know? And so Adrienne uh, is really the one who's, uh, she, she's, she's bearing a lot of this, and she's, she called Bill Johnson, she called Cindy, J- or uh, she emailed Cindy Jacob. She's anybody who will believe uh, with her, she's asking for, and a bunch of you have come to, uh, uh, to just pray over and say, we're not giving up on a great man this easy. 66 years old is too young to go. Um, and so, uh, so that's how we, we want to, uh, uh, to, to swing things around here, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we trust God. But uh, I am not about, to, when my wife is acting like this, I'm not about to send her home. I'm about to fire her up. You know what I'm saying? Right? So, yeah. So... Um, so that's how we want to do it. And so I love, I love to get on board with other people's faith. And sometimes God pours out faith on one person. Um, and sometimes you partner with somebody's faith in another season. But we're just continuing to operate in, in faith in the Herndon home and in the Providence family. Amen? Right? So, all right. That was just some stretching thoughts. Um, I think we give up too easily. And I think that we've been trained by the world that, hey, his time is just, you know, it's just a natural part of life. There's nothing natural about death, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's unnatural, it was never intended, never intended. That's why it feels like it, your heart gets ripped out when it happens. You know, we, got, we start out heavy here. It, I blame it on Mike. Mike went there, had to, I had to explain. Uh, but actually, Mike, thanks for opening that door. Um, but uh, so we're, we're contending Jesus conquered death. Uh, we're contending uh, uh, for, for life. Um, and uh, hey, sons and daughters, we're all gonna be healed, amen? Uh, the day is coming where we will, this will, but we're going we're gonna to fight with the weapons of warfare that we've got right now. This is the season for that. So I want to encourage you guys right from the very beginning, do not give up so easily. All right? Do not give up so easily. I think that there's, there's things in some of our lives, whether it's dreams or whether it's relationships, um, that we've let them, we've let the dream of them die um, and they need to be raised. They should have never been given up on. Uh, and so uh, I just want to encourage you in that way. Is this okay? Is this okay? Um, the, uh, the, the reason, uh, I, this actually does really work really well for the beginning of the message, because what's on my heart this morning um, is to encourage us and challenge us and, and teach us to begin to, to think like a pioneer. Okay? To begin to think like a pioneer. Um, wow. If God's calling us to, uh, to pioneer, um, the dream will only excite us of the journey, of the pioneering journey. The dream is only going to excite us for so long. But when it gets really, really hard, we're going to want to give up and go back, right? 
And do you remember when, um, I, I don't know, I think this is Christopher Columbus or someone like that, that he, that they just landed in the new world and everyone wanted to go back and Columbus or whoever this voyager was, whoever this pioneer was, he was like, burn the ships. We're not going back. We're continuing into the future. Um, that is how a pioneer thinks. And so I want to speak into our hearts this morning. Um, how do we think like a pioneer? What is it to think think like when it comes to, uh, to, to like pioneering thinking, okay? Uh, Romans 12 tells us that we're actually transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we have to think about life and whatever gets thrown at us through the Holy Spirit, not through the worldly system. Hello? And so I, I don't know why this came to mind, and maybe this will speak to some of you, but I was, when I was like, God, what is this? This thinking like a pioneer, this, this pioneering kind of uh, mentality, I was remembering 1985. I think I was in first or second grade, and um, Commodore computers were out, all right? Do you remember those things, anybody? Hello. Yeah, they were so, I, I cried in computer class because I never, it was before there was a mouse, all right? The Commodore computer, you have to tell it what to do with the keyboard. Confused me, scared me, so demonic, you know? And uh, I remember there was a game, though, that they let us play called, uh, what was it called? I, I wrote this down. Uh, Oregon Trail, remember that game? Yeah, hello? Um, and so this Oregon Trail game, basically, it's like you're starting in the Midwest and you're, you're going to Oregon, because that, that's where the pioneers go, okay? Uh, whole state made up of them, all right? That's why they're cool out there. And so, but this Oregon Trail game, uh, just to, to make a, a long story short, because I could tell you the intricacies of this game, it's really wild, uh, had good music um, and uh, really good. But basically what happens is, uh, is, you know, 90 seconds into this game, somebody on your team dies of typhoid fever, all right? And then, uh, and then you go like five more feet and all the wheels fall off your wagons and, uh, and, then, and just, just crazy happens to you and anybody in the right mind would stop and go home, but not those that are pioneering the Oregon Trail. They keep going across rivers with typhoid. They keep moving in that direction, okay? Um, the, I'm saying this because pioneering is not simple, um, there's things that the enemy is, the enemy doesn't want to get you into your new land. The enemy doesn't want you to be the new you that God is calling you to be. He's so afraid of the you on fire. He's so afraid of you operating in your new identity, so afraid of that. And so he sends all he's got when you begin to pioneer. And so as we're talking about pioneering at Providence, uh, we're talking about thinking like a pioneer. Part of what we're doing is we're, we're gearing up for warfare and we're gearing up for battle. Do you know that in our minds, the average person, well, the, the average person thinks anywhere from 12,000 thoughts to 60,000 thoughts a day, okay? 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day, all right? I think I think more. My mind is like, it's great. If you could get in there, right? You was, whoa, whoa. And, uh, but 12 to 60,000 thoughts a day, the brain experts say that 80% of those thoughts are negative, okay? 80% of those thoughts are like, hey, the dude's got typhoid, head back to Arkansas, all right? 80% of those thoughts are saying, the wheels just fell off the wagon, like, let's just stop. Here looks nice. What's wrong with here? It's not Oregon. Well, it's okay. We're never gonna make it to Oregon. Let's stop being a pioneer. Let's stay here. Is what 80% of our thoughts are telling us. 
So Kanye West comes out. <laughs> Dude, I don't care what you think. I'm rejoicing, y'all. Seriously. Seriously. Um, I'm so fired up about Kanye West. Last year, he's, Kanye is announcing to the world, I am a God. This year, he's announcing to the world, Jesus is king. How can you be angry at that? All right. Um, I saw someone interviewing him. I saw a clip, and they said, so are you now into, like, Christian music? Are you now a Christian artist? He's like, I'm a Christian everything. <laughs> and it's interesting that the Christians are going on a uh, line and saying, time will tell. Time will tell about this. <laughs> Can I say that's a part of the 80%, all right? We think these negative thoughts, and somehow we think that it is holy to think negative. We think that it's godly. It brings God lots of glory when we assume the worst. We're hoping for the best. No, you're, but, it's, but you believe what you're leading with. And if you're leading with, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> Listen, that's, that's how you think. Uh, do you know that, uh, that the father did not say to the younger son when he came home. Did you, have you guys ever heard this story? Uh, the, the father did not say to the younger son when he was coming home, listen, we're gonna watch you for a year because I doubt your motives, all right? Who was doubting the motives? The older brother that didn't want to party. The father's starting the party. So when prodigals are coming home, we don't judge their motives right away. We run to them and kiss them and knock them down and start parties, right? Can we party about people coming home, please? Wow, so Lamentations, chapter three. Yeah, was that a good train? I feel like, man, I feel like I'm not on today. I feel like, man, like Kanye West, Prodigal Son, Lamentations three, like there, there you go. Uh, but Lamentations three, if you have your Bibles, go there, because we're gonna talk about what I've just been saying a little bit. I want, us to, I want us to learn how to think like pioneers. If God's sending us into a culture and God's sending us into darkness, listen, our mission statement at Providence, do you guys, have you guys ever heard this? That, that we bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places. And I'm telling you, if we're gonna stay, sustain that pioneering movement, we have to begin to learn how to think in line with heaven, okay? So Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 17, going to verse 25, um, is where we're going to be for the next few moments. And actually, I want to tell you this. The word for, have you read Lamentations recently, my friends? It is, it is not really the book that you read if you want to get stoked, you know, like, hey, um, you know, wife. I know you're about to go to work, but listen to this one. You know, uh, it's usually not the place because what Lamentations is, it's a lament. It's a lament. It means that it, there's a lot of tears in this book. There's a lot of, this book came out of hurt. This, this book came out of mourning. It's not a hopeless book, it's just honest. And many people say that this is actually the, uh, was, was penned by the prophet Jeremiah. And the prophet Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He would look over cities that have turned their backs to God and cry over them. His heart was so in tune with the fathers. Uh, it was it's pretty wild uh, to, to read about Jeremiah and, and, how, and how he felt. And he, he, tears flowed when he saw people uh, resisting his treasure, okay? 
Uh, not everybody believes that Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, but it was written by somebody who was, who was going through a very rough season, and that season was actually not just personal. That, that season was national. All Israel was going through some of their worst days. And I'm just going to jump right into the middle. I'm going to show you a little bit what that looks like here. Um, this, is, this is the situation, starting with verse 17 of chapter 3 of Lamentations. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Verse 18, so I say my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Let me keep going here for a moment. I, I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna circle back around. We're gonna circle the old Oregon trail, you know, wagon train around, all right? But look into verse 19, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That's just, those two words mean bitterness. Remember the, uh, remember the bitterness. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Now, this is, this is what's going on in the prophet's life. Let's break into that for a second. Verse 17, the prophet is saying, my soul is bereft of peace. Or in other words, on the deepest place of, uh, places of me, I don't possess peace. Uh, what's the opposite of peace? Turmoil. <laughs> what's the opposite, opposite of peace? Crazy. So my life looks crazier. My, than peaceful. My life, I feel more turmoil than I feel quiet waters. That's where I'm at, the prophet says. He goes on to say, this is actually very poetic, but this is, is, if this doesn't hit a nerve, I think many of us have been to this place where we say, it's not only that I don't have peace, I've actually forgotten happiness. It's been forever since I did a big old gut laugh. I don't mean a chuckle, I mean like pure joy coming out of my, my soul. It's been forever, I, I, have, I have literally forgotten what happiness is. Have you ever gone through a season and then you, you joy kind of springs up or you get around a happy person and you're like, <laughs> oh man, wow, it's been a long time since that's happened. This is where he is. Look at verse 18, so I say my endurance has perished. Endurance has perished. Uh, basically means this, the, the prophet is saying, I've held on as long as I can, but I'm about to give up. My ability to endure is no, no longer exists. I've endured to my full capacity. I can't hang on anymore. I, I can't. Just being honest, about to give up, and any hope and so is my hope from the Lord. So any hope that I had that God was gonna come to my aid and my rescue, all of that hope has perished along with my endurance. Because many times when we're going through a hard season, what we're holding on to, what's, giving, what's fueling our endurance is God still sees me and he's coming through. But here, this, this prophet is saying, no, no. I think that God doesn't see me. Because actually, when you continue to, re to uh, read in verses 19, 20, this is a desperate cry from the prophet to the father saying, God, the reason I'm feeling like my happiness is gone, my hope gone, I don't even have endurance anymore, there's no peace around me, because I thought that you saw me, but now my cry is not that, that you would see me, but you would actually remember me because I'm pretty sure that I've fallen out of your mind. Remember my affliction and my wanderings. Remember it in order to ask someone to remember this. Hey, can you, do you rem remember that time? It means they're probably not operating in it right now. They have to remember it. It's not that God forgets. It's that we feel like he does. 
And thank God for this honest prophet that it had the courage to say it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Remember my affliction, my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. I got, remember how bitter it's been for me. My soul continually remembers it. Hey, so God, you don't, but this homie do. I remember it. I wish you would. So this is a, a, a low place, right? It's a low place. Where, where this honesty about his situation, um, it sounds very, very unbiblical, but I, I'm saying this for a moment here, and I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching a victim mentality. We've been preaching against that. You hear me out, and don't welcome this into your heart and say, yeah, that's what I've always felt, and now I'm leaving with that. Because this actually, this honesty takes us to a place of healing. God doesn't keep us there. Okay, so the, like all, the, all the, the pain that you've got locked in there and you're saying, I've got a point, God doesn't remember me. I hoped in him for a while, but my endurance, endurance vanished. And so I'm holding on to that season for a while. That's what's keeping you down, not God. Do you hear this? So, but what is happening here is that honesty about the prophet situation, honesty about the situation happening in Israel is actually, I'm saying this, it's, it's crucial for the healing of your situation. This is why it's inspired, okay? Honesty about your, uh, your situation is crucial for the healing of it, okay? Um, I, uh, I was remembering this morning, actually, this memory popped into my mind when my little daughter, Grace, two years old, she's so sweet, just so cute. She was, my wife was vacuuming with one of those Electrolux power nozzles, you know, and it turns and there's all kinds of things happening in there. And my, my wife is just in the Holy Spirit zone. She just does it. She, she vacuums by faith. And, and uh, you know, clean house, doing all that. Well, Grace was playing on the ground as a two-year-old. Her hand was down like this the vacuum nozzle comes and sucks her arm up as a two-year-old. And then what happened though is, is there's a, a rod or something in there that's either hot or has a lot of chemicals on it because her, her skin melted to it. So we've got this and we're walking into the, the peds like power nozzle attached to two-year-old. And they have to take that off and there's a lot of stuff. Now, do you know that we'd be the worst parents if we said, Grace, this never happened. <laughs> But it hurts. She's crying. I don't know why you're crying about because this isn't your destiny. This never happened to you. So we, we actually tow a very tricky line by, by not allowing ourselves to embrace the theology that says when bad stuff happens, God has an answer, but he's not asking me to lie about what happened. So when, when something happens to you, you're allowed to say that hurt. My arm got sucked up. We actually have to, listen, we now have to treat it and healing can be ushered in when you're honest. Some of us, we, we're embarrassed and ashamed to say what happened to us for whatever reason. And we're, uh, we're afraid to say, I lost my endurance a long time ago. My hope in God vanished. And we'll come to church and say, oh, wow, yeah, come, sin revival. Do it again. It's just we don't believe it because we're still lying about our pain. See, you want, I want healing to break out in the world again. I want it. But we're going to have to possess the courage to say, God, this is what's broken. Look at me. Look at me, God. 
And we're going to have to reject the kind of mentality that says everything's fine. Everything's fine. And that's great. Everything's going to be fine. Everything is fine because God is over it all. Like, I'm not saying uh, doomsday mentality. I'm saying I want to see healing. We say, God, broken, broken. Okay, healing. So for the healing to happen, we have to admit the problem. Spiritually, emotionally, um, physically. Happened. It happened. It happened. It's dangerous in the church when people come staggering in with pain and desperate need, and uh, we feel too spiritual to admit there's a problem. Um, we want to be a healing center. We, ca- we, can't, we can't chase the broken off, okay? You've got to be allowed to be broken, and when you admit what you are, then healing can happen. You just can't stay there. When you've been healed, you can't pretend that you haven't. <laughs> Hello. And so this is this, is, this, is this thing here. This lamentation is saying, I'm saying this person's in a, in a dark place, and I'm saying it's not too big for God right here. I'm saying, being honest about saying, hey, God, I think my hope's gone. Listen, actually, that is, that is an invitation for hope to rush in and for the winds of hope to blow on you. I actually think that some of us have not been healed because when you, when you dared to share your pain, you got shamed. I'm really having a hard day. No, you're not. Christians don't have bad days. <laughs> wow, this, this prophet must have been hellbound. <laughs> not saved. You know, you and Conway going to the dirty place. I said Conway. I meant to say Kanye, all right? Yeah. I don't know who Conway is. But listen, so continuing on, look at... Uh, Look at, you know, verse 19 and 20, we've already read. And so I think verse 19 and 20 are speaking to a, a desperate longing to be seen. So to sometime, sometimes your hope is gone, and you have to be honest about that, and that's not too big for Jesus, all right? And sometimes you're also at the place where you don't even believe that God sees you. You don't even believe that anybody else sees you. There's, there's a, a desperate longing to be seen. Let me just read this again. Verse 19, remember my affliction, my wanderings. Hey, God, you need to see this. The wormwood and the gall, in other words, God, my bit, remember I, I drank some bitter, I ate some bitter, I am in some bitter places. Remember that it happened in the past. I, I need to know that that hasn't vanished from your mind. There's a desperate longing to be seen. And this is one thing, when somebody has had a life like this and they've gone through stuff like this, sometimes the best thing that we can do is we say, I see you, I'm going to believe for you and with you. I see you. You are seen. I remember you. It's nice to be remembered sometimes, not just when you're needed, but just because you are who you are. Just remembered. I remember you in your situation because verse 20 says, the person in the difficult time says, my soul continually remembers my bitterness. My soul continually remembers my situation. I just need to know that my afflictions, my wanderings, my bitterness, I need to know that somebody else has me on their radar because I'm being crushed and I can't handle this alone. And the church is supposed to be a family where we hold each other's arms up when we're in the fight. And when you go into a situation where, where you literally feel like you're not remembered, you're just fighting alone, that's a tough one. And I think that God's bringing us into a place, too, where we stop casting blame to pastors that didn't see us. A pastor's job is to preach stuff like this and equip you so you pastor other people. 
Do you know that? So, like, yeah, the church is so bad. Like, the pastors don't even see people. Well, did you? <laughs> That's the real question. Did, when you see somebody in pain, listen, here, here's, here's what it is. I'm pastoring you in this. You're the answer to their healing. Like, when you see someone, you, you don't, like, we, we want to hear by that, and send us, uh, send us a text or, or uh, an email to julie at cares at providencecommunity.org, all right? Send that in. We want to know. But when you see it, make that person that you saw seen. Make them seen. I see you. See you. Hey, you're just passing by me. Um, can I tell you a... Uh, this, I want this to be a victory story for some of us, but I was in line. There's a lady behind me at, at the self-checkout at Giant the other day. <clears throat> self-checkout, amen, come on, Jesus, yeah, self-checkout, wham. You beat all those people uh, just kind of going through, and this lady came in. She was behind me, checking out behind me, and she had like four kids. It sounded like 17. They were, they were hellions. Deliverance needed to happen. I, I, I'm telling you all the things that they're doing, and she's a single mom. She's doing it by herself and all this, and I felt like I was supposed to tr- just turn around to her uh, and, and say, you're a great mom, and I didn't, and I didn't. I didn't want to get the wrong idea. I was there by myself, I, and, and Satan started, started chasing that off. Yeah, I'm not, I don't want anyone to hear this, like I've, I've been taken wrongly. But I just didn't do it. And so uh, I think that God's giving us these things. If a thought of encouragement, a heavenly encouragement comes into your mind, I would say operate in it and trust God with the fallout. Right? We, when, whether it's a grocery store or a restaurant, if Holy Spirit is prompting our hearts, one of the biggest, most healing things that can happen in somebody's life is they can be seen. Seen. Remembered. Remembered. Verse 21 is the key to thinking like a pioneer. It's the key. So all of this builds up to this. So there's the crazy part. Can we get to the hope part? All right, let's get to the place. That's, that's where some of us are. Let's get to the place where we need to be. And here's the battle. Here's, the, here's the, one of the greatest weapons for pioneers. Verse 21, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now, I read past that a hundred times until I actually saw the goodness of it. So my whole life is rough, but this I call to mind. This is thinking like a pioneer. You hear this? This I call to mind. You see this? My life, I, I don't feel remembered. Endurance perished. No hope from the Lord. I've let go long. I don't even remember happiness. That's a foreign word. So this I call to mind. This is, this is what follows next is what we train our minds in as pioneers. This I call to mind. And what, when I call this to mind... When I, when I send out, say, hey, I, I'm tired of thinking like a victim. I want, to th- I, I, I want to begin to think with a mind that actually is redeemed and renewed. So Holy Spirit is now my filter instead of this world. This, these are the things I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Do you see this? So hope comes when we call these things to our mind, and then we go through some of the richest, most beautiful stuff. It's like, it's like eating birthday cake right down through here. I'm t- it's just like, oh, wow. Yes, Jesus, this is good. Have you ever read the Bible like that? It's like, wow. What do we call 
to mind, when we're honest about our pain, we must call to mind the deep reality that I'm not only in pain. My issues are not my only realities. There are other realities in operation here. I'm not confined to this small pain bubble. There's other things I can call to mind except uh, my hopelessness and my happylessness. There's other things I call to mind. I don't just think about the, my, my, the place where I'm stuck. I think about Oregon. I don't just think about, the, I, I'm, I'm calling other things to mind. There are more powerful realities available to me than in my current situation. So here's the things that we call to mind. It's really good. Verse 22 to 24. Let, let this, the, the Bible talks about uh, oil being poured on us, and oil is a, an example of like healing. It's like healing. And so I just think that the Holy Spirit just wants to be just like, just heal you even as you hear this. Listen, some of you, you, you forgot what Holy Spirit tastes like. You forgot what his presence is like. You've been trying so hard to heal yourself and you can't. You, you need oil. Listen to this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. In fact, they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Hello? Hello? This, there's, there's, there's truths that pioneers need to preach to themselves. And the, tr- the truths that are the easiest are the, are the ones in the moment. But the truths that pioneers, the pioneers don't settle for what's easy. Pioneers surge into what's heavenly. Pioneers don't just see what's happening now. They, they see the calling and the destiny and the future and the vision that God's put. And if God's calling me there, he must be providing for me there because he's good. So the mind must become a weapon for a pioneer's hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Listen to this, this what, it, just to say it a different way. Here's, I think here's the truth. I am the object of God's never-ending love. It's not, see, somebody with a victim mentality reads that and says, well, I know God's loving, he just doesn't remember me. No, this is not the truth of this text. The truth of this text says this, the prophet is making it personal. He's saying the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And what he's saying is there's rivers and winds of love coming in my direction and not passing me by but settling on me. I'm the ob- object of God's love, and this is not ordinary love. This is not like seasonal love that comes and goes with some human's feelings. This is a love that can't stop if you wanted it to. You don't get to decide if God loves you. Some of you have decided that he doesn't. You just happen to be in this place called wrong. Because his love doesn't happen when you say it can. His love's been happening. It's been happening since before you were born, my friends. You've always been a dream in his heart. You're the object of God's love. You can't stop his love. It's a steadfast love. Steadfast means resolute. It means firm. 
It means unwavering. When I was meditating on this, the Holy Spirit gave me a picture of, of someone repelling, and before they go off the cliff, they find the most firm thing they can to tie around. That's the steadfast love of God. That thing that doesn't move, that thing that you're trusting when you jump off the, a cliff for some reason. That thing that's going to hold you as you dangle in midair. That's, it doesn't change. It doesn't waver. But you, you find out that some seasons don't prove that God doesn't love us. They prove what we had our hope anchored to. Hello? You see, you, you see the difference in that? You can't be angry at God if you tried to anchor your hope to a person and not his steadfast love. So how crazy is it, guys? How crazy is it that we would actually put our rope around a person and when they don't hold us because they can't, we get angry at God? God's like, the anchor, the resolute anchor for your crazy is my love. Let's try this again. Try this again. Give me that rope. Jump off that cliff. I'm here. God's love is what you anchor your hope to. It's steadfast, it's resolute, it's unwavering, it is, it is firm, and these are just saying it in nice ways. How, how do you put in words the kind of anchor that the love of God is for humans? There's, there's, we, we've, we've tried with our languages, we've done our best, but the, you can't contain the love of God for you. You can't put it in languages. It is, it is way better than we know. And that is why the church is under siege. I think my biggest, one of my biggest concerns about the church is not that people don't believe in healing and people, you know, blah, blah, blah. We've got, we're operating in the wrong systems. We look more like business than we do like family. We look more like family. We're disorganized. We, uh, you know, we need new branding. <laughs> I, I don't care about those things much. What I care about is that we know 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 that we're loved by God. Yes. We have to know this. Everything hangs on this. I'm loved by God. Every season, every situation, I'm loved by God. It's a firm love. It's a steadfast love. It keeps coming after me kind of love. It's a love that never ceases. Even if it feels like you're not loved, you're being loved. It just never ceases, never ceases, never ceases. And neither do the mercies of God. They never come to an end. Well, I've screwed up my life. I've shafted my life. I've ruined everything. There's new mercy every new day. Every day is, is a new opportunity to encounter the heart of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. Every new day is a new encounter. It's a new opportunity to just to, to know God. Do you see here that God doesn't want you to know your pain as, mu as much as he wants you to know his heart? Do you see this? I forgot what happiness is. I, 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 I let go of hope. But here's what's coming after you. Unceasing love. Mercies. New opportunities. And how about this one? My faithfulness. The word faithfulness. I love this. This, new, this, this word faithfulness that, that, is, that it says, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. This, it doesn't say, the, the prophet is not saying, great is my faithfulness towards you, God. That's how we read the Bible. God's like saying, if you're faithful, I'll be faithful if it's a good day for me. The Bible is saying, this is the Father's voice over hearts. Great is my faithfulness. 
In fact, the Bible says, when you're faithless, he is faithful. So this isn't, this isn't a shame festival here. This is, this is anchor your heart in whatever season you're in to the great faithfulness of God, that it belongs to him. It belongs to him. Your, let me say it this way. Your lives don't hang on, the, on your ability to be faithful. Your lives hang on God's character who is faithful. If you dig into the word faithful, the, the word for faithful is actually it's loyal. If you've ever been around a person that you know you could, you could do the stupidest thing you've ever imagined, and they'd be for you. They, they'd be for you. When I was a youth pastor, I used to come to parents and say, your child has demons, all right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he, uh, someone's knee is no longer there, all right? I, and, and Tommy did it. And you, you talk to some moms and dads, they're like, no, he didn't. That was your fault. You're seeing with wrong eyes. Like, no, you're, take your son home, spank him, all right? See him in the morning. They say, they can't see anything else. They can't see anything else. And the most whole, see, that's a problem. Here's what's not a problem. A faithful God pouring his faithfulness over you, making you faithful. All right? I remember I, my best friend when I was growing up, after my parents got divorced and uh, after we moved schools and I gained 100 pounds, not joking, it was, it was uh, you know, it's bad when, when you feel so bad that all you can do is just eat. That's where I was. That's where I was. And so I would, uh, I got a dog that my granddad gave me a Shetland sheepdog, and that dog just loved me. I don't know why. It was just, it slept on my bed. When my parents tried to spank me, the dog would not let them, all right? It just, it just loved me, it just loved me. And I remember one day, I, I would jump on my bike and the dog would follow me. No matter how far I'd uh, ride, this dog would follow me. I remember one day, I ran over my dog on my bike. And um, I was very upset and I jumped off the bike and I picked the dog up and its head is dangling, it's unconscious. Uh, and I ran it home and after a little while, blood's coming out of its nose, I'm like, I killed my best friend. And when the dog regained consciousness, it jumped right back to where it was. So I was like, hey, I, 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 I don't know, I, I think I kind of have a gift of speaking dogs sometimes. I, was, I think the dog was saying, hey, Nathan, people run over each other's faces all the time. <laughs> I'm yours. I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to you. You're still mine. You're still mine. You made a mistake. Still mine. And the loyalness of God sticks with us. The faithfulness of God sticks. He, he's, he's, lo- he's in covenant with us. He knows how to take care of what's his. Great is your faithfulness. In verse 24, the prophet says, the Lord is my portion. And actually, he's at the place where, where his soul is now saying this. He's not reciting this as good theology. His soul is actually exclaiming this. The Lord is my portion. And this must be your soul's profession. This must be the, the new cry of, of a new heart. And this is the new cry of a new heart. You know that, that something new is going on in you when, when you be, can begin to say, my inheritance is not in this life. My inheritance is God himself. He is my new treasure. A portion is what you get to satisfy you. And so what the prophet is saying is, I'm satisfied with God. Not God plus, not God and. God is my portion. This is also a word for inheritance. This, what, what I get coming to me, all right? There's a little story called the prodigal son. Don't know if you've ever heard it. 
What I get coming to me is not, is not the riches of wealth like the world says. It is, it is God wealth. It is Le- Levitical wealth. The Levites didn't get lands. The Levites got the presence of God. And here, this is a Levitical thing. They're saying, you're my portion. I don't need lands. I don't need hills. I need God. God's my portion. So I've lost happiness, but I haven't lost he who's loyal and faithful to me. I, uh, I'm going to end with this. I, I've got, like, when I was praying for you guys, I don't know if God wants to do someone, uh, something with a bike rider here. I'm, I'm not joking here. Because the only illustrations I could think of were biking ones, all right, running over my dog, all, all these things. I, I had a story of Philip getting knocked out on a bike, um, all these things. Let me tell you one more bike thing, okay, for a biker. I was helping my little daughter, Lena, ride her bike. She, she couldn't without training wheels. So we took the, the day has to come when you take the training wheels off. And I took her to the park, and uh, she did this, and she's riding, and she's falling, and she's riding, and she's falling, and she's crying. And she's coming back, and we're not stopping. We're not stopping. I remember something happening in Lena where I could sense this going on in her heart, where she was beginning to identify with her falling instead of what she's pioneering. You hear this? When you fall enough times on a bike, what happens is that 80% of our negativity in our brain, every, every hellish lie, begins to come at us and say, you're a faller, you're not a rider. And you begin to identify with falling more than, than you begin to believe for the victory that God's, that daddy's got you. I was saying, no, I would not let Lena go. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to run by it. I'm going to push you. I'm, gonna, I'm getting you up. I'm going to catch you when you're down. We're wiping off tears. We're continue, we're, we're pioneers. And I, I believe that, let me say it this way, that Lena's falling is a lesson that teaches us how to win, not identify with loss. I hope we can hear that one. Because many of us, we've, begin to, we've begun to, since we stopped in Arkansas, okay, I'm back to my original thing, since our wheels fell off somewhere around the Mississippi, we, we began to say, I'm just gonna stay in this place and this place is always going to speak to where I stopped, where I failed. And I think you've got such a good father that he's not going to let you stay there. Think, and in fact, your good father is sending you into situations where you need to learn what it's like to fall and rise and win and succeed. Let me say it this, this way. God is sending us into, into situations that need champions, not victims. This, the church must be a championing family where we, where we say you've fallen, but that's not your identity. Your identity is, has been given to you by Jesus. So you're, you're not a faller, you're a victor. You're not operating from your experiences, you're operating from heavenly places. Yes? Yes? Yeah. So I want to encourage us here this morning to trade dark, dark thoughts for God thoughts. How many of us need this? How many of us need this? I, in fact, hey, and as, as you stand to your feet and do that, especially the young man who's just screamed, I think, yeah, yeah, stand up, my, my friend. But let's stand to our feet and let's put our arms out like this. And let's say, Father, we 
will only receive God thoughts. We want God thoughts. Darkness has reigned on our hearts. Now we want thoughts of revival. We want thoughts of revival. Pour it out, thoughts of revival on us again. Wake us up at the night shouting revival to us and newness to us. Wake us up that our greatest identity would not be how we failed, but who we are as sons and daughters. Do this fresh and new, God. And I pray for people here this morning, God, that, that they have been defining their life and describing their life and, and, and all their feelings in their hearts have just been the battle. It's just been the falling. It's just been the failing. And they, they, they've stopped pioneering. God, I just pray for a, for a new revival winds to flood and flow and that they would, they would continue on in the direction that you've called them. God, pour it out. Pour it out on this church. God, a, a move, a revival move that we wouldn't stay stuck, that we would move forward. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you, God, and we praise you. Father, um, I just pray just for deep healing, oil kind of healing, Holy Spirit kind of healing over every person and that you would speak the truth to us and that's your faithful God. You're loyal to us. Your promises never end. Your mercies never end. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places and heaven to earthly places.